exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studios in Lake Wales, Florida home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowlers Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show was regularly scheduled at the same time each week. The late Kegel owner, the great John Davis, told Len Nicholson to start this program because, quote, people need to know what you know, end quote. This PBA and bowling writer Hall of Famer has now recorded over 1,200 shows and has featured over 425 guests since 2002. 20 years plus of bowling knowledge, story sharing, and true expertise. Phantom, we need to know what you know. So Phantom fans, here's your host, Len Nicholson, The Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Cagle Company, the number one lane maintenance company in the world. For all of your lane maintenance needs, including 24-hour technical support, you can always rely on the Cagle Company. So go to Kaggle.net. Well, bowling fans, I'd like to remind our listeners that back in 2002, Kegel founder John Davis wanted me to expand our website and start a weekly podcast. And his thinking was to share knowledge and information with bowling centers and bowlers around the world. Well, we have now completed over 1,220 shows and have featured over 400 different bowling dignitaries with the sole purpose of growing the sport. And I have brought forth bowlers, coaches, proprietors, industry leaders, other podcasters, and an entirely diverse group of people who deeply care about our sport. And this week, we'll feature another expert who has a passion for our sport and has been here many times before. I consider him an expert and a good friend. And here's a man that starts our show with a with an interview to say hello to begin the show. His name is C.J. Layton. Hello, C.J., and welcome back to the show. Great to talk to you, my old friend. Things are looking good on your end, I hope. Well, everything's been going fine. Uh, everything seems to be busy. Um, I'm seeing a lot of good vibes about bowling, and I, I'm really proud about what just happened. I saw on TV the other day uh, something that we want to talk about. And you know that you and I have covered many topics. Mm -hmm. I want to cover another one with you. So are you ready to talk about the recent U.S. Open? One of my favorite topics, pal. Well, you know, I'm glad you said that. We haven't talked about this in advance, but that was my favorite tournament of all. Um, So let me ask you, why would that be your favorite tournament? Um, Without a doubt, on my end, Lenny, it's good to see a tournament where everything isn't a carry fest. Uh, same thing, throw the ball away from the pocket, roar back, switch 10. 
Well, that don't happen in this tournament. There were nearly, counting the PTQ all the way through the stepladder finals, there were nearly 400 710 splits left. <laughs> Big fours, Greek church, every single pin on the back row, and the five pin made multiple appearances. Um, lane topography really came into play. The USBC website did a nice job of the, on the charting. And let me tell you, there's some rough spots. For every bright red you saw, you also saw bright blue, sometimes on the same lane, sometimes on different pairs. So we have the best bowlers in the world gutting out every frame, every game into an old-timer like me, man. That's bowling. That's where you get to see the real character of the players come out, not just when you're pulling 240s, but when you're giving it all you have just to go plus five or to keep from going minus 30. <laughs> all right, well... That's a good start, and, and I appreciate all those words because I'm in total agreement with you. And uh, I want to start with one thing that was kind of controversial. So what are your thoughts on the lack of size of the field with just 108 entries? I think that, and there are going to be a lot of mixed opinions on this, of course, Lenny, from wherever you look. But I'm looking at the size of this year's field and I think it's a fantastic mix. I mean, you look at uh, the U.S. Open winners in the past 10 years, then the Masters World Champion, Tournament of Champions, Players' Championship winners for the last three years, the USBC Open Championships, all events winners the past three years. They automatically include uh, last year's Senior Masters winner, U.S. Open winner, Junior Gold Under 20 Boys winner. There's some Collegiate Singles Championships thrown in there last year's U.S. Open Top 5, and the Top 75 on the PBA National Tour points list as of October 1st of 2022. Now, of course, they did have the exemption. They got Mookie Betts in there, and they've also got the Iowa Open qualifier on a regional basis. He was Alex Riesland. So I thought it was a very diverse field, and because so many people came in and were able to cross over. In other words, you had a lot of those pros I talked about have their name on different lists, well, you had a PTQ where they could bring in 21 people who were basically unknown and trying to do their best. And so they took 108 for the PTQ as well. And that one round, in that one round of eight, they narrowed it down to the top 21 to come into the regular field. And there were two players out of that field that ended up making the top nine. I'll talk about them later. But as far as any controversy involved, involving size of field, shortness in numbers, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to take the fifth on that one. I kind of like the way it looked this year. Well, i got to tell you something, Pards. That was a lot of knowledge that you threw in there. And I've looked at a lot of the podcasts that are going on in social media. And very few people brought up all those facts that you just brought up. Yeah. And it, it did. It featured a lot of younger players, which is good. Uh, you know what? I think it's a sign of getting old that we didn't see Ritger and Sutar and Stefanich. Sure. And, and even Norm Duke. And, and there was just one little bit of controversy that I never found out why. But why wasn't Pete Weber there? Um, more than likely, I am going to think it's a guess. But I am going to think that was because of his disqualification in last year's senior U.S. Open. Okay, that's going to well, be my guess. I don't know that as a fact. Yeah, well, that's a good guess because uh, there's been a lot of speculation about it. But, you know, we are getting older, and we kind of miss some seeing some of the old-timers. But 
you're right. This was diverse fields, and it was a solid field. So let me ask you a question. Uh, if you were the czar bowling, and you saw this was still going to be a controversial issue, uh, what suggestion would you make to make it just a little bit better than the 108 that we had this year? And again, that's that, that is such a good question, Lynn, honestly, because I watched the way this year's tournament ran. I watched the way this year's tournament played out. And everything from top to bottom, from player quality to oil patterns and everything else, played out exactly the way that Kegel and the USBC, at least in my opinion, thought it to be best. Now, I don't agree with the USBC on a lot of stuff either. I mean, and you know that as good as anyone. I mean, we can go back to uh, the USBC US Women's Open of 2012, that debacle. But, uh, you know, I, I, that's another tough question of yours for me to answer because I, I think everything ran great. All right. Well, you mentioned a big word, and I'm going to expand upon that a little bit. And that word was patterns. <laughs> uh, did you get a chance to see uh, on paper all the different patterns that were used? Yeah, I did. In uh, round one, U.S. Open pattern one, Kyle Sherman calls it the soul crusher. Um, they <laughs> used the Kegel fire oil for this, and it is basically a flat pattern. It's forward and reverse oil basically from three board to three board all the way to 34. You've got reverse oil from 34 to 39, and then everything buffed out to 49. It was a bear. And, you know, so automatically, I mean, it, it was just under 32 milliliters of oil total, and that would end up being the highest volume also for oil per board. But still, you know, that is a tough, tough flat pattern. It almost looked like the ball hooked twice sometimes. Um, U.S. pattern number two, they call it the middle finger pattern. <laughs> and uh, that's where you've got, you know, you've got a buff out to a 43, but basically you've got combined oil, gunner to gunner, all the way to 12. And then from 13 left to 15 right, you've got a huge concentration of forward and reverse all the way to 40. And then everything outside and out is buffed out to a 43. So again, another super tough pattern. Scores definitely dropped in day two. Then in day three, the U.S. Open pattern, they used uh, the ice oil. Uh, the last pattern I talked about, too, they used a combination of fire and ice. This is ice, and this is another flatty uh, going out to 22 with forward, and you've got uh, 22 to 24 reverse. Everything buffed out to 39, and scores dropped even more in round three. Then in round four, people thought they might start seeing some higher scores, and by oil pattern number four, that's what they use for the entire blocks of match play and the TV show. And uh, no. They didn't get higher, scores got lower. <laughs> it's it's just one of those things with a really funky-looking pattern. You can go to the USBC website and go to the U.S. Open because this is even very hard for me to describe how the forward and reverse oil are combined in this jagged mess up to 25 feet, and then everything buffed out to around 40 or 41. Uh, oil played, of course, a major role in that join with the topography. Yeah, you know, that's really a good description. Um what I want you to do for our listeners, uh, some of our listeners are, are relatively new to our podcast and uh -huh. they don't realize how much information we give them, but uh, sometimes we just glass over uh, some of the details. And you mentioned uh, where these patterns could be seen. Uh, can you give us a detailed, uh, a better look at how they can go there on their computer 
Yes, absolutely, Lynn, no doubt. Uh, what you do is you go to the USBC website, and that's bowl.com. And then once you reach bowl.com's website, there is a place at the top of the page where it says tournaments. You go to tournaments. And then from tournaments, you go to U.S. Open under short duration. And then on the left-hand side of that page, it says 2023 results. Click that. And then your third page will have everything you want to know on the left-hand side, including the stuff that I just related to you, pal. Wow, that's awesome information, Pards. And, you know, I, I always say it in every one of our podcasts that that's what we're here for, to pass along knowledge and information. And uh, you mentioned the fellow that uh, did the lanes. Actually, he didn't say his name, but you said Kegel was involved. And this kid's name is Nick Hoagland. He's in charge of all the patterns uh, for the USBC, all their tournaments, uh, Masters, and all that kind of stuff. And, man, I'll tell you what. He is from Indianapolis. He went to school there. Yeah. And uh, I know he's always at that bowling center, and he knows that place like the back of his hand. So I want to put a shout-out to him. Uh, I've been involved in doing the majors uh, for years and years, but that tournament with everything involved, the, the results, uh, the reaction from the players, what a fantastic job. And, and my hat is off to Nick Hoagland. And I want to I want to echo that, Lenny. Uh, they uh, BowlTV.com uh, interviewed him uh, on Friday and again on Saturday, and I mean he couldn't have been more pleased. The guy was just bursting with joy, basically, at uh, how everything from him and Kegel turned out on their end. And they wanted, you know, they wanted three looks. They wanted to, to give everybody three major angles. They were able to successfully do that, no matter how hard they, those angles were. But the angles were there, and uh, yeah, congratulations, Nick. It's well done. Well, I'll tell you what, he's a knowledgeable guy. He even owns an ABC record, uh, an eagle or two, I think, uh, that he shot uh, some kind of a fantastic score there one year. So not only is he a good lane man, but he's also a good bowler. So uh, my hat is off to all of them, uh, even the manager of that bowl, the general manager, Jim Nody. He uh -huh. was right in the front row. Did you see him in the front row? Yep, sign. Well, he loves bowling. He loves the bowlers. And I went there for several years for different events. And I'll tell you what, he's a first-class guy, and he deserves to host that U.S. Open at his bowling center. So my hat's off to the whole uh, ball of wax. The whole thing was fantastic. Uh, you know, I'm kind of like you, Fards. I'm an old-timer, and I've been watching the last couple of years. And, and sometimes when we get old, we don't appreciate the new stuff that comes along. And, you know, uh, some people say that Babe Ruth was – better than Willie Mays, and, you know, the back, the old guys are always better than the young guys, but I'll tell you what, the PBA did a, a justice to themselves, and they brought back some new uh, excitement to the whole thing, and, and I loved the whole show. I loved it. I did, too. Uh, everything, I think, went exactly the way it should have. Uh, there was a really good mix of everything. It was just, a, there was something for everybody, you know, in, in that if you're a bowling fan, I think the U.S. Open is a tournament you really don't want to miss. No, you know, you know, I'm not going to point fingers at anybody about anything negative because I love to think positive, but there was a lot of exposure about Mookie Betts, who's one heck of a good bowler, and after the first round, he was up there in the top ten, and there was a lot of hopes that, uh, you know, somebody from another sport uh, could could do well. But 
to show you how tough it is on the PBA tour, he went down, uh, ended up near the bottom. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a shame because not only is he a great athlete, but he had brought more exposure to the PBA, but he did bring more exposure by showing how good these guys really are. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah, he did look really good in round number one, but then, you know, what can you say? The U.S. Open got to him just like it did, uh, just like it did Parker Bone III, just like it did Chris Barnes, just like it did so many big names who uh, who didn't make the field. Mitch Hoope, Bill O'Neill, the real deal. I, you know, the list can just go on and on and on. Yeah, and the one glaring name was Belmo. <laughs> oh, yeah, how about that? No Belmo, that's kind of a miracle. You know, that's uh, really unusual. Uh, he's one of the people that has been able to split that quarter sometimes. It's laying on the lane whenever he's really, really needed it. Yeah, it just didn't look like himself. No, he didn't. Um, anyway, let me talk about you for a minute. Let me let me know what's going on with you. I know you've been involved in a lot of uh, sports, uh, television, uh, whatnot. So what are you up to nowadays? Well, we're preparing for the season to where uh, – we get uh, some ESPN work in. We're going to uh, be doing the um, finals uh, for the men's and women's uh, basketball tournament for the uh, Kansas Collegiate Athletic Conference. That's NAIA, and that comes up uh, here very shortly from Hartman Arena, just uh, north of Wichita. And then uh, just a few days later, we'll be back again at Hartman for the NAIA National Wrestling Finals. Uh, that uh, is another big event in the city of Wichita. And then for the first two rounds, we go back to Hartman Arena and then back to another local college there in Wichita, Friends University, more than likely for the first two rounds of the NAIA National Tournament. Uh, that, in addition to the uh, local coverage we provide for our community colleges and so forth. So we're getting to a very busy time. Oh, fantastic. You know, I've watched you uh, basketball. I've watched you football. I've watched you bowling. I've watched you softball. Is there anything that you can't do as far as being a sports announcer? Um, I've pretty much covered everything except uh, curling. I think <laughs> I'll avoid, and I think I'll avoid cricket. <laughs> well, all right. So what about bocce ball? Have you ever done any bocce ball tournaments? I don't know. Maybe we'll do some pickleball next year. Wow. That, that sport's coming on. Yes, it is. I don't know if it's because the court is smaller or you don't have to run as much as you do with tennis. Uh, but all my buddies out here, to prove that I'm getting old, they're all into pickleball. That's all I ever hear, pickleball. Yeah, it's getting, getting to be the same way around the nation. And honestly, I think, you know, for for me to get out of the uh, get out of the office and get down and get some fresh air and smack a few balls around, I think that's just what the doctor ordered for me. <laughs> well, let me ask you one last question. Are you, are you doing any bowling at all? I have not, unfortunately, my bowling, uh, you know, the old arthritis has pretty much taken care of that. Um, it was a real shame. It was a really rough decision uh, that I had to make. I've loved this game since I was four years old, and I was still fairly proficient at it, meaning that I could take one of the new balls and throw it to the right and have it come back and average 220 like everybody else. But, um, <laughs> you know, it just, uh, there just comes a time, and... Uh, it was my time, and uh, I had a good time, and I met some of the finest people in the world, and I still continue to meet some of the finest people in the world. So there's, there's no big deal. I, I hate not bowling, but uh, I'll always be around it. Oh, fantastic. We would hate to lose you. And, you know, talking about friends and everything, 
Uh, I, I chartered myself one day about, uh, I don't know, maybe six months ago. About 95% of my friends I've met through bowling. So sure. uh, bowling is just an unbelievable great sport. Uh, it's a social thing that you, you just can't live without. I can't even hardly have a conversation with anybody without talking about bowling. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Barnes. Well, listen, if you've got something coming up that uh, is going to be televised uh, on some kind of a channel that we can get, you let me know so I can advertise it because uh, we love you and we love your voice. And one of these days, I know you're going to knock out some of these big-time announcers because you not only have the knowledge, you got the voice and the personality. Uh, so I've always been on your side. I wish I was an agent. You'd be the you'd be the Bob Costas <laughs> of television. That'd be something else. I'll tell you what, there have been a lot of great people before me, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Pards. Well, I can tell by the old clock on the wall we got a couple minutes left, and I'm going to give you the final word here in a minute, but I just want to tell our Phantom fans that the old clock on the wall does say that we're out of time, and we look forward to talking to all of you again next week. We'll have yet another interesting guest to talk to. I want to thank our sponsors, Storm Bowling and Brad Edelman from the High Roller and our friend Dave Kowalski, the bowling guru from Michigan. He was just recently inducted into the Michigan Coaches Hall of Fame. And I do want to tell everybody that we've been talking about it. We're getting close. We're going to be starting a Phantom Junior Bowling Club soon here on Phantom Radio. So anybody that's got any kids, it won't cost a dime. It'll be free. We're going to have a, a, a big deal coming up, which we're going to keep announcing as time goes by. And Dave, he's going to be on our board of directors. So, Pards, give us a closing statement, whatever you want to talk about. Well, congratulations to so many people. First of all, to Frank Snodgrass and to Tomas Keiko. Those were the two from the PTQ that ended up in the top nine of the U.S. Open. And on Saturday's show, uh, Frank Snodgrass almost ran the table. <laughs> he got he got beat in, in the last match of the day by Kyle Troop. And the top five was uh, just beautiful. It was Richard Tease from England, Anthony Simonson. Tomas Keiko, the PTQ guy, and then you had Kyle and EJ. EJ comes out on top after what else? Kyle leaves a 4, 6, 7, 10 in frame 11. So EJ, 100,000 richer. Kyle Troop got 50,000 for his troubles. It was a really good week, and I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, well, so did I, and I uh, want to congratulate the PBA once more. So for Phantom Radio, this is a Phantom. When you're down and troubled And you need some love and care And nothing, well, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me And soon I'll